Hi, my name is Andrew, and shamefully, I've seen very few films. I am Citizen Lame, but that's all about to change. Each episode, my friends Dylan and Simon Streep will be battling it out to convince me to watch their movie of choice. Welcome to Citizen Lame. He hasn't watched many movies, he's a pop culture pariah. If he says he's watched Armageddon, just assume he is a liar. I must select your movie if you want to win the game. His name is Andrew, known as Citizen Lame. Welcome back, Dylan. Thank you very much. Welcome back, Simon. I'm glad to be here, although I do live here. Yes. Well, I've missed you guys, and it's good to see your smiling faces again. Um, But I've got a question for you to kick off the new season of Citizen Lame. All right. When you're watching a movie at home, is it lights on or lights off? And we're definitely talking about movies here, Kerr, you saucy minx. Hey. (laughs) Hello. Yes, this is a movie podcast, and we need to keep our explicit tab (laughs) off. (laughs) Well, I mean... I definitely feel like I'm a lights off kind of guy. Yeah, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have agreed with you on that. I don't understand the people who are lights on. Hey, I'm, hang on. I'm, I'm lights, lights on. on. Oh, Wait, what? For the record, I was agreeing with you because oh. I watched films with you before. <laughs> it's all the lights off. Oh, man. You've got to have all the lights off. And here's why. You don't want to be watching a movie drawn into what's going on. You're feeling like... You know, you're in the ocean in water world or whatever. And then you turn to your left and like, oh, look, it's the oven. That's just not, you know, it takes you away from the moment. You want everything yeah. a focused. Lot of, a lot of people don't keep their TVs in the kitchen, though. <laughs> so it's not really a problem for them. Yeah. See, I, I have the opposite problem in that I have a very, very, very slight astigmatism in my one eye. Ah, interesting. Uh, so much so that I once got corrective glasses... Mm-hmm. But in terms of a percentage of how much I needed them for my eyes and how much I needed them to look cool, <laughs> let's go 90, 10 to the latter. Wow. So I basically, I stopped wearing them after a while and realized they weren't doing much for me. But movies in the dark, ah, oh, no. But wait, so you're telling me that if we just got you a pair of glasses, yeah. you'd be totally fine watching movies with the lights off of I've my got house. a pair of glasses. I didn't throw them away. <laughs> <laughs> They're for fancy dress now. Because if you're worried about, you know, comfort to cool level and that kind of stuff, no one can see you when the lights are off in the dark watching the movie. Oh, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. Mm. And what about the movie Cinema, you know? Uh, I haven't seen that, that one. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's normally a pretty dark place. Yeah, I thought you might bring that up. The screen that blasts out the image is so big that yeah. I'm pretty sure it's not as dark as we all think it is in there. Hey, I've got a complaint about the cinema because sometimes you find yourself in a cinema that actually isn't super dark. It really bugs me. Every now and again, oh, like it almost feels like they leave the aisle lights on. Yeah, yeah. And if you're sitting too close to the aisle, then suddenly you have... Just, you know, the awareness of those owl lights, which once yeah. again, unless you're in some sort of Star Trek ship-based movie where <laughs> those kind of lights fit in with the mescent, yeah, it's very frustrating. That's, also, that's I'll, right, I said mescent, everybody. It's very, very uh, informative. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, jump on the back of that too, because when you're watching a film in 3D yeah. in a cinema with aisle lights, sometimes the aisle lights will catch and reflect in your actual glasses yes. and bounce back into your eyes. Even if you weren't looking at them, they still get you from the back. And you become aware that like your glasses might have a little bit of a, a notch in them or something like smudgy, that. Smudgy. Smudge. And then you're sitting there going like, oh no, why does Bilbo Baggins have such a dirty face? It's just, <laughs> just my glasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I'm going to add a third option to the list and that is dim lighting. That's what I prefer. I don't like it completely dark. Nobody likes it completely bright. Oh. 
I'm going to well, say yeah, dim I mean, lighting. What's completely bright? You're talking about like adding extra lights. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you're the one with the stigmatism. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I presume you need, you need sort of spotlights on yourself in the TV. Yeah, that's I, true. I do not like dim lighting, but I don't like dim lighting anywhere. I feel like lighting needs to make its mind up. It needs to be bright and it needs to be dark. It can't be this in-between nonsense. It's like weather. I hate it when weather's just like overcast. Either rain, full-blown <laughs> hurricane, or just, you know, bright summer's day. This yeah. is true. I prefer... A light on from another room in the house, okay. providing a light source adjacent to the room you're in. There that's, we go. That's pretty good. Have I won the quiz? I think, you, <laughs> I think you've won the intro question. Yay! <laughs> Alrighty, let's begin. Here's how it works. Dylan and Simon have each chosen a different film and will be competing against each other in an effort to get me to watch their film of choice. The plot twist is, I don't know what movie they've each chosen. Each round they'll pick an aspect of their film in order to convince me, by any means they can, that their film is better than the other. After five rounds, the person with the most points will reveal the name of the film which I have inadvertently chosen to watch. And then, I actually have to watch it. But first, let's talk about the movie that we ended last season on. And that movie was Elf. Now, Andrew. Yes. We have a thing at this podcast. Yeah. And that is when someone wins, mm-hmm. everyone has to watch the movie that won. So we can all share a moment together and talk about it. Oh, it's very important. And yeah, it's kind of baked into the rules, yeah. Yeah. the conceit of the show. Yeah, and the listeners get to then watch the movie as well and then hear our thoughts afterwards. Exactly. It's a, it's a wonderful format, Yeah, as I've been told by all our 20 listeners. <laughs> but I heard that you... For some reason, Mm. over the last year's Christmas holidays, when you should have been watching Elf, Mm. not only did you not watch Elf, the (laughs) movie that I um, managed to sneak through and you selected, Mm. you watched Klaus, (laughs) which is the movie that lost the lesser of the two movies, it turns out, Mm. according to that episode. You watched that and just didn't watch Elf until apparently, I'm hoping, last week. But even that, I don't even know if you've even bothered to watch it. Yeah. I mean, you know, can I defend myself? Yeah, try. Okay, all right. Well, the format of the show is that I have to watch the movie before the next recording. Yeah, I know what you're about to say here, Kerr, <laughs> but think about it. Right now, when we're recording this, even though it'll probably release in November, it's mid-October. It's a ludicrous <laughs> time of year to watch a Christmas movie. I, Whereas if you'd done it last year, like you yeah, should have. Okay, well, here, here we go. I mean, I need to be an impartial judge. You would not like me to be swayed by things like Christmas cheer or spirit. <laughs> so, I decided to wait until the very last moment when it would be freshest in my head and I could give you my honest opinion. I just want to know. Except that he watched Cloud. Yeah. <laughs> Last year, Christmas, when you sat down and you knew you yeah. had to watch Elf. Okay. What made you go proactively? <laughs> do you know what, Claire and the children? Well, I'm not going to watch <laughs> Elf, which is a perfectly fine family yeah. movie. Yeah. We're going to watch this horror show well, of a Christmas I movie. I think what you find, Christmas I mean, movie. Yeah, exactly. I think it was a brilliant Christmas movie. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but that's you know that's for free. That's that's not an official review. Okay. Um, it, uh, it popped up first on the streaming service that I was using. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, yeah, that's a watertight defense. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Elf, Kerr? I did watch it um, recently. <laughs> um, so the, these, are, these are my thoughts. So the phrase nimble fingers, natural cheer, and active minds needs to be adopted 
into all of our lives, I think, at all okay. stages. All right. I'll just say at this point that your notes are falling on deaf ears for me because I watched this 17 months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a phrase that came up in the film? Uh, yeah, only once though. Okay. <laughs> um, what I will say is the, the, the North Pole set yeah. really bugged me. Okay. Because it, I mean, it looked like the sort of thing you'd have on an episode of The Mighty Boosh. But I think it was meant to have that sort of Hallmark card oh, aesthetic. Was it was meant to have that yeah. sort of very fake aesthetic. Oh, so you're telling me you didn't watch the making of Elf holiday movies that cheered us up or whatever that show is called on Netflix. Yeah. I did, I did not. But I didn't, I didn't like it. I did, however, like the funny panic that set in after the shower scene, which you described. Yeah. That was very amusing. <laughs> uh, also, the extended burp. I mean... <laughs> You know, a good, like a good long burp. Yes. There's nothing really funnier than that. And it does the classic of going on longer than it should. Yes. Where then you think, well, this can't go on this long, yeah, surely. And then it does. Suddenly yeah. it's not very funny anymore. <laughs> it's still going. This is hilarious. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, the Bigfoot homage was excellent. There was a shot where he was kind of caught uh, on camera. Yes, gotcha. And it's the same as that famous okay. Bigfoot uh, picture. Yeah, I remember that. I really liked the aggressive Santa. <laughs> like it's, it's always good you must have loved Klaus yeah. then <laughs> <laughs> and I've written here weird horse steaks which <laughs> which I'm trying oh yes now I remember what it is it's like the climax of the movie is where they're trying to get the sleigh off the ground yeah and the baddies are like park rangers <laughs> and they're sort of you know I don't know did the movie come out after Lord of the Rings because they basically made it seem like the uh, what <laughs> the, are the ring race yeah on their horses but basically the whole movie All right. is just one joke okay and that joke is guy in an unfamiliar territory does strange things okay and did you enjoy that particularly one joke it got a little bit old wow. for me oh wow and so I'm going to interesting and so I'm going to give the movie 6.5 out of 10 do you know what I'll take 6.5 out of yeah, 10. Yeah, I mean, at least he watched it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also wrote some notes from very long ago, and I liked the scene where he went from, I think, the North Pole to wherever he ends up, Manhattan. Yep. And he's on an ice block, but it's like in stop motion, <laughs> and the ice block gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. And then it's like really small as he gets off. I thought that was, that was really fun. That was great. So my note here is ice block gets smaller. <laughs> and got drinking bottle of Coke. Now, Andrew, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember what this. is funny about that? Because as I say, I wrote this down about 20 years ago when we were meant to watch the film. It's, it's clearly just a, a blatant product placement. But essentially, they're sitting down having dinner. And yes. somebody, there's a, there's a bottle of Coke for the table. Yeah. And I think he eats something that, and he needs to have, have a drink. And yeah. he just downs the entire bottle. Is this pre the long burp? No. No. Wow. Oh, you'd really think that one yeah. would lead into the other. Oh, maybe, maybe it is. I don't <laughs> know. Sorry. I can't remember. I have such a terrible memory. Whoop, whoop. Alert, alert. <laughs> I'm looking for a disaster movie made from all natural ingredients. Yes, you heard correctly. I've asked Simon and Dylan to assist me by giving me two natural disaster movies to pose to me. Now, I'm not the sort of guy that goes out into nature looking for trouble. But sometimes Mother Nature comes looking for you, and boy, can she get grumpy. So, before we get into it, guys, how do you feel about natural disaster movies? I do like a, a couple of them. Where it was quite a difficult episode to prepare for, to be honest, because um, the ones that I liked, I didn't know whether you would like, or I thought that maybe even a complete Luddite like myself, yeah, you would have probably seen them. Like Armageddon, I quite like Armageddon. Yeah. I don't really know if it falls into... A natural disaster movie because 
whilst the threat seems fairly natural, the way they deal with it... Very, uh, very bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it's not supernatural. They don't, like, call in ghosts and stuff. But it's definitely <laughs> not quite natural. And that really made me think of this debate that we were having off-air. Mm? I want to know if you guys have actually come up with any conclusions yet. Would Sharknado be considered a natural disaster movie? Ah, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> I say, I haven't seen Sharknado. I'm just going to put that out there. In terms of Sharknado, I am Citizen Lane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I say that it needs to be natural in the world of the movie. Okay. So, for Armageddon, it's an unnaturally massive meteor that's coming, and it's unnatural to send up drillers <laughs> instead of astronauts to sort the problem out but in their world it's a natural disaster and i don't know if shark the sharknado in sharknado the titular sharknado <laughs> was created in a lab of some kind or with machines but if it's just a tornado that's swooped up of a couple sharks yeah. that's two natural things mm. that's yeah. a natural disaster that but sounds I mean, right. if you're saying it's natural in the world of the movie then yeah. surely we're talking alien invasions are allowed because if the aliens are in the movie, they're natural and... Yeah, the a aliens are different to a uh, tornado. <laughs> there, there you go. Definitive. <laughs> well, I was wrong. It was weird um, when Armageddon came out, this, this thing happened twice, this phenomenon, where there was Armageddon and Deep Impact, same, yeah. I think same year, very similar film, and then there was the Dante's Peak uh, Volcano. Yeah. Well, why does this happen? Why, why, why doesn't this happen more often, actually? It's quite fun. It is fun. Studios competing for basically the same movie at the same time. <laughs> There's even, and I don't think this fits into natural disaster, but ants and a bug's life. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. similar, similar no, movies. I think, I think That's the, true. I think I'll have to elaborate on my description of what is and isn't. Okay. I think it's a non-sentient entity. Okay. It can be a, a natural disaster. Yeah, a non-sentity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's time for round one, the star. If there's a calamity to be averted, or a disaster to be dodged, it's got to have someone who is up to the task. Before we get engulfed in debris, I'd like to know who the main star of your film is, and why you think they are such a force of nature. Dylan. Okay, so one of the main leads in my film, surprisingly, is none other than the late, great Bill Paxton. Ooh. Now, why surprisingly, you might ask? Because Mr. Paxton was not an average what you'd call a leading man. He tended to land more supporting roles, but he always elevated them into something memorable. Whether it was Weird Science's Chet Donnelly, the older brother turned gross trash monster, or True Lies's Simon taking a fantasy backhand <laughs> punch from Arnold Schwarzenegger, or Aliens's Private Hudson <laughs> and his iconic delivery of Game Over, man! Game Over! <laughs> But in my film today, he thrives as the leading man, leading a crew of, let's say, natural disaster enthusiasts as Ooh. they travel cross-country trying to achieve their life's work while also trying not to get killed in the process. I'm going to take a wild guess here and say mm -hmm. right off the bat, I don't think Andrew knows who Bill Paxton is. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, so Dylan and I hope to hear more about Bill Paxton quite soon. But Simon, I'd like to hear about your star first. Ah, oh, Andrew, you're going to love him. He's been an army veteran, suffering from PTSD and cherry. Next year, he'll be hunting treasure with Mark Wahlberg in Enchanted. But he's probably best known for having been bitten by a radioactive spider in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's your friend and mine, your friendly neighborhood, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. I do know who Tom Holland is. Yes. <laughs> Tom Holland. This is actually his first um, movie role. It's okay. quite exciting. So this is a film that started all. 
And in it, he's just amazing. He's got depth, he's got passion, he's got urgency, he's got it all. At one point, when natural disaster is at its you know, highest, he climbs a tree and I can imagine a talent agent watching this thinking, <laughs> look at the finesse when he clings onto that tree, almost <laughs> like he's some sort of Spider-Man. Hey! Ah, right. <laughs> and one of the good things about this film is that it very handily avoids the Tom Holland problem. I don't know if you guys know what the Tom Holland problem is. Can I have a guess at what the Tom Holland problem yeah. is? Is it that he looks um, younger than he actually is? Yes. Because Ooh. I've watched uh, the aforementioned Cherry where he plays someone who's just gotten back from war. And you kind of go, nah, you're in high school. <laughs> You're in high school, man. You haven't gone to war. Yeah. Uh, and like, it's, a, it's genuinely a real problem. Even with the Uncharted trailer that I watched um, for the movie that comes out next year, I was just like, well, why are you bunking school, man? Go, like, <laughs> shouldn't be out hunting treasure. Go, go back to your, your classes. And so I do think it's going to be a problem later on in his career because, I mean, we all, I'm guessing most of us discovered him like the rest of the world in, in Spider-Man films. And so to kind of view him as not that i think it's going to take him quite a, a lot of time especially because he just looks so cute it's true is this uncharted based on a video game it is is this going to be the best video game movie adaptation of all time <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we'll have to bring that up in season 40. <laughs> look uh back to bill paxton for some reason and i'm assuming this is based purely on alphabetic similarities alone mm -hmm. the world sort of developed like a color blindness around Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman. <laughs> oh. The kind of thing where you'd hear, oh, I love that rallying speech at the end of Independence Day. Bill Paxton gave me shivers. That wasn't Bill Paxton, that was Bill <laughs> Pullman, you idiot. Are you sure? Pullman for sure. Paxton, Pullman. <laughs> well, luckily two very special people called Mike and Joe gave us PaxtonorPullman.com. <laughs> and I urge listeners to go visit this website, but I'd just like to play you a little clip from it. Um, this is preparation for a little quiz at the end of the website. Here we go. I'm Bill Paxton. I'm Bill Pullman. <laughs> repeats itself at this point. It's really aggressive. <laughs> it's like uh, Moby, 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 Michael Stipe, Michael Stipe by Adam Buxton. Amazing. So, um, yes, I, I recommend going on to paxtonalpullman.com and checking that out and then taking the quiz, which is quite fun too. <laughs> um, so what I thought might be a good thing to do is, you know how on Google you can start typing something and it will complete the phrase? Yes. So I thought in general, just in case um, Andrew doesn't know who Tom Holland is, which is very unlikely, I thought, I'm, I'm going to just type, is Tom Holland, and find out what people have been asking <laughs> okay. about Tom Holland. I've just chosen the first 10 things that Google has cool. um, suggested. It's, is Tom Holland British? Is Tom Holland dating? Is Tom Holland married? Is Tom Holland dating Zendaya? Is Tom Holland in a relationship? Is Tom Holland single? Is Tom Holland dating anyone? Is Tom Holland in Venom 2? <laughs> is Tom Holland still alive? Is Tom Holland still <laughs> Spider-Man? <laughs> it's amazing that... Most of those are about his relationship status. Yes. And these are, <laughs> I think Google's meant to try, guess what I personally would be searching. I <laughs> really did not spend a lot of time on the internet going, 
is Courtney Cox still married to David <laughs> Arquette? I just don't do that kind of thing. But clearly Google thinks I do. That is so great because I genuinely asked that question <laughs> about a week ago whilst uh, re-watching the Scream films. But for the sake of, I know I've just asked a bunch of questions, you probably want answers. Here we go. Yes, seems like it. No, seems like it. Seems like it. Doesn't seem like it. Seems like it. Yes, but only for a bit at the end. Yes, although are any of us truly alive. And no, he's never been Spider-Man. He's only played Spider-Man. He's an actor. Spider-Man isn't real. <laughs> Whose answers are those? Mine. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> because um, I wanted to know an answer to one of those. And I think you've given me something there. I'll have to go back and line them up with the audio yeah. of the questions. But uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I've got to say that... Uh, you know, Dylan, you presented me somebody who I'd never heard of or don't know anything about. And uh, and then you proceeded to introduce another character who I'd, <laughs> I'd never heard of or knew anything about. I keep and forgetting who I'm talking to on this podcast. And apparently those two people are similar. So now there's two people that are similar that I don't know anything about or who they are. And I'm just so confused that I need to run to the warm soft tender arms <laughs> of somebody that i know and that person is tom holland simon you get the point for this round hooray moving on to round two the setting the location and year a film takes place sets the foundation for a story a foundation that might fall into the sea when put under the tiniest bit of scrutiny show me the solid ground of your movie setting and tell me why i should build my metaphorical house there simon all right when you think rambo first blood part two the hangover Part 2, Hot Shots, Part 2, Street Fighter 2, Bridget Jones 2, it's clearly the best place to film a sequel, it's Thailand! Hey! <laughs> Are those all really there? Yeah, all set in Thailand. That's amazing. What's not to like about Thailand? I know that uh, Dylan and I have both been there. There's good food, I learned to eat spicy food there, and I'm all the better for it. There were good beaches there, I went snorkeling and saw awesome fish. And I'm all the better for it. Uh, there were good people. Strangers were always happy to help point out a good tourist destination and a place to buy a suit. And I'm all the better for it. It's Thailand, <laughs> baby. Woo! Have you ever been to Thailand? No, I have absolutely no interest in going to Thailand. What? Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, this, no. You say, oh, no, but just wait until you hear my setting. <laughs> my film is set in Oklahoma. Oh, interesting. Now, of course, we all first think of the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical Oklahoma, mm -hmm. but that's Oklahoma with an exclamation point. So really, Oklahoma! <laughs> but no, we're talking about Oklahoma, the uh, 20th largest state in the US of A, oh. covering an area of 69,899 square miles. Oh, mean, is it barely worth mentioning if you're the 20th? or something. If you'd indulge me, I'd like to play a very, very quick round of Guess That State Blank, Oklahoma edition. Okay. okay. Now there's a point each for each of you for every one that you get right each. <laughs> Sounds good. Does that sound right? Let's start with something easy. The state capital. Uh, oh, Oklahoma. Uh, okay. Almost. Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma. Oh, very good. Uh, points for comedy will yes. not be awarded. Uh, <laughs> it's Oklahoma City. So simple. Oh, okay, man. the state nickname, go. Oklahoma. No. Oakley. No, the Sooner State. The state <laughs> flower. Oh, the rose. It's not that. Uh, some sort of tiny sh shrubbish bush. Well, sort of. The it's daffodil. mistletoe. No, oh, it's mistletoe. The state animal. Uh, panda bear. <laughs> I was going to say normal bear. <laughs> it's the bison. And lastly, with a score of zero each, let's go for the state fur bearer. The what? Oh, sorry, the what? The state fur bearer. <laughs> what does that mean? There's a fur bearer. There's what? a bunch of listen. What's there's a, a fur bearer. There's a bunch of fur bearers. What does no, it mean to bear it's a fur? It's an animal that has a fur in it. 
Nope. Oh, a bear. Grizzly bear. Nope. Uh, it's the raccoon. Uh, and that was Guess That State Blank Oklahoma Edition. Oh, I mean, I mean, I know less now than I did when we started. Well, that's not true. You know bison. Andrew, I think I know how to win you over to Thailand. I know how you appreciate a good toilet. Mm, oh, okay. The toilets in Thailand. They're a dream, Andrew. The toilets in Thailand. They all have the bidet functionality. Okay, I'm listening. And so, if you've ever wondered... Am I clean enough down there? Mm. Oh, no, this is potty humor little, No, 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 not potty humor at all. Very practical. You just use some water mm. and then you leave feeling the cleanest you've ever been. Okay. And the bathrooms are not the better for it. Do you, do you, do you feel like the, you know, this feature as a part of Thailand where they shot or whatever... Yeah. He comes through in the acting. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think because of the natural disaster, they're all quite dirty by the end of the movie. Okay. But um, presumably, if they had taken a bathroom break, there was one area of them that would be sparkling oh, clean. That's, Andrew, that's, I cannot emphasize how much I love the bidet. I mean, it's good to know. Dylan will know from having gone on many uh, street adventures, like I take quite a while in the bathroom because I'm quite thorough in making sure that wow. I've cleaned up well. well no, no, this too, whole no, conversation is just... It's just <laughs> yeah. got, Oklahoma's got uh, mistletoe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the mistletoe, Sooner yeah. State. Yeah, take me back to that. <laughs> no, off the record, I do agree with you. I think the bidet is, oh. is a wonderful invention. It's and amazing. they should really attach them to more bathrooms here. Yeah. The best you can do in most bathrooms here is if you have one of those shower baths, is take the nozzle from the shower oh, and Andrew, make an adventure. No, come, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think... Simon realized that he was struggling a little bit and was, was trying to tie me in with a feature that doesn't originate from Thailand <laughs> and isn't like specific to it. You know, you can buy a bidet from basically any shop anywhere in the world. Take note, Simon. You can buy one. Apparently. <laughs> I want to know, Andrew, because I'm seeing where this is leaning. You're going to choose Oklahoma, which you don't even know anything about. If you, were, if you were to offer me the choice to see a bidet or a bison, <laughs> I can tell you what I'm going to watch. But I want to know, before, before anything was revealed, you had, were really slanted towards hating Thailand. <laughs> what do you have against the Thai people and their place? I don't have a problem with the Thai people. I'm sure they're wonderful. It's just not something that's on my bucket list. Okay. Or should I say my bucket list? <laughs> Very good. You should. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I want to see a state that's got bison, that's got mistletoe, that's got, be- what is it? Raccoons. <laughs> Ra- raccoons. I'm less excited about the raccoons. But bring me Oklahoma with or without an exclamation point. Dylan, you get the point. Yes. What's that I hear? Is that the sound of animals fleeing the jungle? No, it's round three, the sounds. Cinema is not just a visual medium. Songs, scores, and sounds all elevate our movie experience. What about your films do you think will bring the biggest crescendo? Or will it be an audio apocalypse? Dylan. So the official soundtrack of my film is packed with really great artists and songs, but a lot of them are just too complicated or too ballady (laughs) to reproduce for me. And I wish I was talented enough to recreate some of the stirring orchestral score. But... um, Also, a lot of the titles on the official soundtrack would blatantly give away (laughs) what film I was talking about. Um, And I know listeners at home, they already know. Obviously, they know. But this is Andrew Kerr we're talking to. So, you you do hear a little bit of the unmistakable Goo Goo Dolls. um, Yes. As a car pulls up after a particularly adventurous scene, 
So I thought I'd bring a little bit of that today. You only really hear a bit of the verse and the chorus um, as it's playing on a car radio and is swiftly cut off. So that's what I'll be playing for you. Uh, it's a song called Long Way Down. Mm -hmm. And it's sung by the lead singer, whose oh, name... Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> his name eluded me for a while uh, when I was thinking about the band. I knew it was John something, and then like a vaguely Eastern European sounding surname. <laughs> and I kept just coming back to John Krasinski. <laughs> I knew it wasn't him, but eventually I Googled it, and it's John Rzeznek. Um, um, but they also have a bassist called Robbie Takak. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, they let him sing on occasional songs. I know Simon and I have discussed this ad nauseum over the years. It doesn't, it doesn't really make any sense. But a very weird thing happened. So I was, when I was recording this song, I wanted it to sound like Rzeznek. Yeah. But I noticed that he has a very charming and light husk to his voice, <laughs> which you'll hear... I think at the beginning of when I started singing, but s strangely, as it went on, I just became the bassist. <laughs> so it's a bit of both. That's the one. Sounds like. So there you go. There's, I mean, there's what, there's what it would sound like if <laughs> the main singer kind of just left the stage and left the bassist to sing. That was Why great. do they let him sing? I don't know. I think he must just like have something on the main singer, like some yeah. dark, deep secret that he knows. I remember we watched the Live in Buffalo DVD back in like early 2000s. Yeah. And there was like a, a studio tour, like on the extra features. And it seemed like he owned all the gear, maybe. There's <laughs> <laughs> definitely something like that going on. That was great. Thank you, Dylan. Oh, thank you. Simon, what do you have for me? All right. Well, I have a piece of music that I also can't share the title of because it would give away the film. It's by a composer, I think he's Spanish, called Fernando Velasquez. It is absolutely beautiful. What I, what I really like about it is it reminds me a lot of Michael Giacchino's um, soundtrack from Lost. It's got like these amazing strings and pianos and everything. Anyway, I'm going to play you just a little brief sneak peek of kind of what it sounds like. Um, and then I'll uh, share something else with you after that.
So it's, gen- it's genuinely, I mean, that's just a little bit of a sneak peek of me playing it on the piano. But it, I, I do encourage you to, to find it and, and seek it out and listen to it, regardless of what film you end up choosing, because it, it's absolutely beautiful. But I didn't think I was going to be able to do it justice to the original recording, which has a whole orchestra and everything. Um, and then I remembered, oh, the, the really nice thing about Thailand is that huh? <laughs> they, for whatever reason, don't often seem to play the original artists of, of any music yeah. when you're at their uh, restaurants or hotels, or whatever it might be. For some reason, they always seem to have like weird, obscure versions of the same songs. So in the one hotel we stayed in, we got like almost music box version of like Taylor Swift hits and stuff like uh-huh. that. It's very strange. Um, so what I thought I'd do is I'd create... Just a little dance remix. Uh, yes. Of the same song. So here we go. Mm. Ambient. Yeah. It's not quite a dance number. Bring in the like beat. A... Oh, here we go. Now I'm dancing. At first I was in the elevator. <laughs> to a dance floor. Gonna get me better. Oh yeah, here we go. Woo! <laughs> Even added some bells in just to remind me of the hotel. Yeah, <laughs> fun making this. All that's missing is really scratchy vocals by the bassist from the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> I mean, we all felt that. We're all vibing now. I just want to know, would it be better, would your film be better if you re-edited the scenes that I imagine are quite dramatic <laughs> but put that track in? It would definitely make the natural disaster feel more fun. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. This is a tough one. You guys have... Uh, this round, you guys always excel. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a really tough one, but I'm I'm gonna have to make a decision based on emotion. And I went on a on a holiday to Namibia when I was a teenager, and it was an amazing holiday. And the at the end of the holiday, we were in Vintuk, and we went to a restaurant basically the night before we were gonna drive back. And at that restaurant, they were playing a CD. <laughs> and on that CD, which they played multiple times, Simon's remix <laughs> was it was a CD of covers, okay. and and the covers were panpipe covers <laughs> of famous songs, and they weren't good panpipe covers, <laughs> and purely for that reason, for that the the memory that was brought to the surface when Simon's tune was playing, I'm going to give the point to Simon. Yes, well done, Simon. It's time for round four, the scenes. If you saw a volcano erupt or a landslide slide, slid, slid, slidden, slotted? A landslide slotted. It would forever etch itself into your memory and cause a visceral reaction upon reflection. As would certain scenes in many movies. They might make you laugh, cry, angry, and or scared. Please describe in a spoiler-free way your movie's standout scenes. Simon. Andrew, this is really tough because I'm not going to lie. The standout scene is the scene that happens right at the beginning of the movie because the natural disaster in question gets going right at the beginning of the movie. They waste no time, which I always like in a film. Okay. It's like when I was a kid, 
I remember watching films like Home Alone and where the best part of Home Alone is when he's seeing the traps, but then you've got to, you know, get through an hour and a half yeah. of, oh, he's just Home Alone. Um, so, <laughs> so I like that this natural disaster movie, it, it gets to the point right from the ground running. But if I go into any great detail, I'm going to um, ruin it for you. So I'm going to have to skip ahead and do a slightly smaller spoiler and choose a scene, which is a beautiful scene where a lost child who gets lost during this natural disaster mm. reunites oh, with their yeah. parents. And it's, oh, it's wow. beautiful. And the thing is, Andrew, I know what you're going to be thinking. You're thinking, Simon, you've clearly chosen a, f- a family in peril. Yeah. <laughs> How there might be a daughter in peril. You're worst. Mm. How could you do that? But you are the one that chose natural, natural disasters. And I'm guessing even in Dylan's movie and most of the movies about natural disasters, they're going to be people, including family in peril. And if you want one thing to happen, you want that family to be reunited. And I think you will appreciate. And good news. It's not a daughter. It's a, it's a small son in this case. Getting, <laughs> good news. <laughs> getting reunited. Yeah, the daughter didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> reunited with their father. It's, it really is a great emotional moment. And I think it'll make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Made only more emotional by... Wait, I just want to know, is Tom Holland the son or the father? Because we can never know. He's just, you know, what he looks like. Dylan, can you tell me about your movie scene? My film, uh, much like Simon's, also starts out with some good classic natural disaster action. But I've chosen instead of one of the many action scenes, and there are plenty, a moment Mm. of respite where the full crew of adventurers are settling down around a large table, eating and sharing war stories. Think of that. War Mm. stories. Mm, Camaraderie. (laughs) They, They share incidents that further elevate Al Paxton as the leader we've seen him to be. There's a strange moment. He's got this fiance with him who's kind of been like a fish out of water this whole time. It's just been dragged along on this adventure. Fiance out of water. Fiance out of water. And um, everyone's kind of telling these stories, going around, one-upping each other, and this rating system emerges of, of how they classify these natural disasters. And let's call it the G rating, in inverted commas. So they'll talk about a uh, G2. Oh, that's a, well, what about a G3? And somebody says a G4. And then the fiance, she goes, uh, is there, what about a G5? And the whole room goes quiet and everyone's kind of looking <laughs> down at their peas on their plate. <laughs> it's so strange because obviously it was leading towards, you know, it's like, oh, oh what, a G4 is worse than a G3? <laughs> Surely that would mean a G5. Anyway, it's very strange, but it, it still works. And it's a lovely scene, as I say, in amongst all the action mm. to get to know these characters and the relationship that they all share. A little breather before we set off again. Hmm. I mean, I do like the sound of that scene, but if I'm just going to try sway Andrew towards mine yeah. very briefly, it sounds like the people in this scene, yeah. based on what you've just said, yeah. go out looking for the natural disaster. Cheeky. <laughs> My family, that beautiful moment, they weren't looking to have this natural disaster upset mm. their, um, their day. Mm. They overcame and found each other amidst... Mm. Uh, the chaos well as a little kicker maybe mm. this will help <laughs> the female lead in this film who have not even mentioned for risk of giving away to the many <laughs> listeners what this film is who've known from the first second i said will paxton uh she's left the table now she's gone to have a shower don't worry the film is pg-13 <laughs> for some reason there's a moment right before the the shower scene cuts and it's the sound of the water or something to do with the soap 
<laughs> how can I say this? Like, it makes a really large farting sound, <laughs> and it's really bizarre. Wow. I don't know how it got through the edit. <laughs> And I suggest it, literally everyone listening and Kerr, <laughs> even if you don't have choosing my movie, please go to 49 minutes, 43 seconds and check it out. I mean, Dylan, if I didn't know better, I would think that you were trying to catch me on a, on a cheap farting joke. But luckily for you, <laughs> um, I'm going to set that aside. You had me at PG-13. Now, now, look, that's not the only reason that uh, I'm, I'm making my decision this way. But the great thing about people in a film telling potentially frightening stories mm-hmm. is that isn't happening to them at that moment. Right. They lived through it. They lived through it. They did it already. And you don't have to feel that fear. <laughs> you can just listen to somebody telling a nice story. Um So, for this round, I'm giving the point to Dylan. Hey! Finally, we come to round five, the story. I assume all disaster movies are just people running away from stuff, but presumably there is also a plot involved. A story that can entice you to watch till the end, where hopefully they'll make it out alive and have a lot of cleaning up to do. This round is worth three points. What's your movie story? Dylan. All right, so the story of this film. A former storm chaser is sucked back into his old way of life when his soon-to-be ex-wife informs him that his project to more accurately predict dangerous weather patterns is more achievable than he thought. Hmm. Now, this film even manages to have a villain in the form of a crew of rival storm chasers led by Jonas, who is, quote, in it for the money, not the science. (laughs) 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 Filled with nail-biting action, a massive ensemble cast, great music and orchestral score, and all the big, clunky 90s tech you could dream of, this film is a classic of the natural disaster okay. genre. Interesting. Wow. I mean, I feel like you've given us a clue there as to what particular weather element, him getting sucked in. <laughs> oh, did you <laughs> like my clever life? Play? I liked it. And Simon, what about yours? Well, Andrew, and like this storm chaser over here who's reveling in works of fiction that some scriptwriter penned whilst dreaming up some old bollocks. My story. <laughs> Is a true story. Okay. And because I know that you're in a Christmassy mood from watching (laughs) Elf, it's basically a Christmas adjacent movie because it takes place round about Christmas time in Thailand where a family from Japan who are on holiday find themselves in the middle of a crazy natural disaster and it is tense and thrilling and exciting and heartwarming. Okay, you're not going to tell me what the disaster is, I take it. Well, I feel like Dylan didn't share what his disaster was. That's true. Lest you That's figure true. out the twist. So Sorry. I'm not going to tell you what my disaster is and rather have you make an impossible guess as to what mine is. All right. Well, I'm very much in the dark <laughs> from these two suggestions. Uh, both stories sound interesting. Mine may not be a true story in the sense that you're talking about, mm-hmm. but... These natural disasters occur plenty, <laughs> plenty, that's it. They just occur plenty. I'm in Oklahoma and um, there's been a huge number of people that have um, claimed to become meteorologists and seek out what the leads in this film were trying to do in real life. And as a touching note, with the passing of Bill Paxton, um, they used weather mapping GPS coordinates to put his name over a large area in Oklahoma, BP. Oh, and cool. I just thought that was quite nice. I mean, it's inspiring and it's almost as inspiring as seeing a family overcome a very yeah, difficult Yeah, a lot of families <laughs> in that one, Simon. Well, I hope I'm not the only one who feels like they're 
sitting on the sidelines of a conversation they don't understand anything about. <laughs> so listeners, actually, I'd like to know if there's, you know, other people out there in my position who are just <laughs> complete imbeciles when it comes to this stuff. But I have to make a decision. And this round is worth three points. And um, I've got to decide based on the story. And I'm going to be honest, the story of a storm chaser being brought back in <laughs> with a whole bunch of clunky 90s tech. I mean... That sounds way more appealing than just some random family going on a holiday and getting stuck in a natural disaster. <laughs> Hectic. <laughs> and so, Dylan, you get the points for this round. And I can reveal that the winner of this episode is Dylan. Yay! Well done. Congratulations. Commiserations, Simon. What uh, movie am I missing out on? It's okay. To be honest, Andrew, here's what, what happened. Is I chose a movie that I think is absolutely amazing because i think in generally speaking i think disaster movies aren't what you would call like critically acclaimed films they're mm. normally just a bit of popcorn fodder whereas this film i think rises above that and would be a, a good challenging watch but for someone like you i think it would be incredibly harrowing oh. it's it's a it's a tough tale and i cried wow. and i felt tense in it and it was beautiful it is a 2012 film starring naomi watts ewan mcgregor who i know you like tom holland it's the impossible. Wow, I have not heard of it. And I'm so glad that I'm not watching it. Yeah, it's about a tsunami that really happened in Thailand, just basically pillaging a mm. whole like area and uh, a family's sort of fight for survival. Yeah, it's, it's quite hectic I stuff. Re I remember the real life version of that. Yeah. I'm not being there, but I mean, you know, anyway. Well, Dylan, I am very excited to hear what movie I'm going to be watching. Alrighty, Bill and Joe Harding, advanced storm chasers on the brink of divorce, must join together to create an advanced weather alert system by putting themselves in the crosshairs of extremely violent tornadoes. Oh. Starring Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, Carrie Ooh. Elwes, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, to name a few. Put your right hand on blue and your left foot on yellow. This is 1996's Twister. Hey, <laughs> fantastic. The party game. I mean, if I were you, I would have led with Carrie Elwes. I mean, he's Robin Hood <laughs> Men in Tights. Yeah, he's And you would have lapped that up. That's exciting. I, I am looking forward to watching that. Um, so I just made a little note that I needed to add whether or not I'd won. I think this is pretty good. Earlier, I mentioned that it was PG-13. I looked up what it was PG-13 for, just in case. And it said, the MPAA rated Twister PG-13 for intense depiction of very bad weather. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that lovely? That's superb. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week in the battle for my movie affections, as well as a report back of how I enjoyed Twister. If you've yet to watch that film too, you have seven days to join me in my education. Until next week, goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>